All right, thank you everybody for tuning in to uh, this episode of Digital Mentorship. I'm your hot with Scott Kellner and I'm joined today by Harrison Nye. Harrison is currently a graduate student at the University of Utah. He's worked in renewable tech ventures and has done internships at the University Valuation Group and Rockefeller Capital Management. Harrison is from Portland, Oregon. Uh, got his bachelor's degree at Westminster College where he was a geology major. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm really excited to have him on the show today. Harrison, how are you? Good, good. And, and I, I was a geology major for two years, and then I switched to finance. And so that was kind of a big, big turning point at Westminster. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. Just got back from practice. And thank you again for having me on. And I appreciate kind of all the mentor, mentorship you have for Westminster lacrosse players and commenting uh, our live stream games and helping us out. So thank you for uh, having me on. Well, it's it's my pleasure. And I know one of the things that I like to do to try to kind of like break the ice and to help me get to know you better is I like to play this game called Two Truths and a Lie. So you told me that you're the youngest person to summit Mount Hood in Oregon while wearing shorts. You like to fly fish and you hike the Uinta Highline Trail, which traverses the Uinta Mountains for 90 miles in five days. And so I know you like to fly fish. And so I, I, I don't know. That's tough. That's, I'm going to go that the Mount Hood thing is the lie. Is that the lie? Yep. The Mount That's Hood correct. thing is the lie. So you yeah. did actually, you did actually hike the Uinta Highline Trail uh, in five days. Yeah. So it's a, it's a hundred mile trail and the first 20 miles are all desert with only water, one water source. And so a lot of people start at the 80 mile mark. Um, and so that's where we did, which is Lady Peak, and that's out near Vernal, Utah, and it finishes right on the Mirror Lake Highway, which is right outside of Camas and Park City. And that was, I did that in the first week of August, and that's a super fascinating trail. Um, yeah, so that Mount Hood was a lie. I have climbed Mount Hood, uh, not in shorts, <laughs> and I'm not the only person to do it, so. Well, that's yeah. awesome. That was, well, that was a good, that was a good, um, some good background, some good background for everybody. So let's talk about just how did you end up at Westminster? Yeah, so funny thing, uh, I went to Oregon Episcopal School, which is in Portland, Oregon. Um, I was a horrible high school student. I think I had a cumulative GPA of a 2.8. Like, I was not on track to do anything with my life. I was um, contemplating, you know, I don't think I was going to go to college uh, up until about the beginning of my senior year. And I was looking at a couple schools, um, really didn't have any motivation or path. I played a lot of video games and just wasn't, wasn't really a good student. And then um, in my senior year, Brad Lavoie, which was the, who was the uh, recruiting director and assistant coach at Westminster college, uh, sent me an email, saw me playing lacrosse at a tournament in the summer and said, Harrison, we'd like you to come out to Westminster. And I said, why not? Um, never been to Utah. Actually, I have been to Utah before, but I'd never heard of Westminster. I said, I'll give it a go. Why not? Went out, really enjoyed my experience on campus, decided on the plane ride home, got, got an offer that morning um, and decided on the plane ride home, home that I was going to go out to Salt Lake City. And so then I ended up at Westminster. And, and I guess... Um, Oh, oh uh, well, I was just going to say for, for people that don't know, I also played lacrosse at Westminster, and so it's the lacrosse-Westminster connection that kind of brought Harrison and I um, together, and, um, and that's, a great, that's a great story. I think there's uh, Brad Lavoie also coached me, and I loved Brad very much. I thought that he was one of the best coaches I've ever had, 
Um, so I'm glad that he, you know, you got to experience some of that Lavoie magic that, that I got to yeah. uh, as well. And um, so then once you got to Utah, you talked about how uh, you were a geology major and then you switched to finance and just talk about how, how did that, how did you make that choice? How did that happen? Yeah. So I, I was interested. My, my dad is in business and my mom is in business and I wasn't interested um, in going into business. Uh, in the first two years, and I was taking these geology classes, and professor at Westminster, outstanding professor named Rick Haskell, um, I took one of his intro to business classes, which is required for students at Westminster or in some kind of track, and I kind of dipped my toes in the water, um, and then I kind of went all in. Um, I am actually not very strong in the sciences, and so by the time it kind of got to chemistry and physics, and I was not not very good at that, and so I switched to finance. I uh, Rick taught excellent classes and kind of became a mentor for me and brought me into the program. And I, I started realizing kind of what, what I wanted to do and it involved finance. And I, I like finance because there is right and wrong in terms of numbers and, and, and very fixed and um, set in stone rules. But there's also a lot of creativity and, you know, art uh, in finance as well. And so I, I enjoyed that. And then finally, I realized that um, I, I wanted to have a, a people-facing role. I'm a very social person. I wanted to have some sort of um, client or customer service or customer-facing role wherever I end up. And so it kind of led me to that. And I, I really, really enjoyed all my finance classes. Rick um, founded the University Valuation Group, which I had the pleasure of being kind of the first cohort there. And we kind of figured it out. And then I ended up doing that for three years and through some other opportunities with Rick, I competed in a valuation challenge. And in the fall of 2019, we went down to Atlanta, um, team of Westminster, and we got second place and we lost to some Tulane graduate students. And we finished above a team from, I believe the university of Georgia. So it was a very little small school out in Utah going down <laughs> and, and doing well in uh, the national challenge. And that was, Awesome. But I think kind of the best thing about Westminster was the small class sizes and um, how, how much the faculty care. Uh, I knew if I went to a school where I was just a number and if I didn't play lacrosse and I didn't have anything to lose or work for, that I would have skipped out on classes and just been another number and slipped through the cracks. But I, I absolutely loved the small class sizes, uh, sitting in the front row, and, and I just absorbed all that information. And having lacrosse kept me accountable. I had to go to every class, had to get good grades. Um, and then I just, I, I learned to love learning and that had never happened in my life before. And so um, it's, it's insane to think about an email from um, as the recruiting director at Westminster College kind of changed my life. And so that's how grateful I am for my experience at Westminster. Um, that's, that's great feedback. And I agree about the, um, you know, it's funny how similar I feel like our stories are. I, I, didn't necessarily know what I wanted to do um, when I grew up, but I uh, ended up at Westminster and I was playing lacrosse and I kind of figured it out along the way. And I think a lot of it had to do with the quality of the professors and the small class sizes. Uh, shout out to Rich Collins, my economics professor, uh, John Grosbeck, uh, uh, Rob Patterson, uh, all those guys, Lauren Luray, um, all the people in the in the uh, in the business department and the uh, economics and finance uh, finance professors. Um, so that's, so that's fine. And I also wasn't a particularly good student. I mean, I think, uh, you know, when I, when I was at my worst, I was getting C's and when I, C's and B's and when I was at my best, I was getting, 
A's and B's. So, um, you know, but I think you kind of figure that out as you go along and you learn to love learning. And I think that's an important, an important thing. I'm glad that um, I feel like I had that experience at Westminster and I'm glad that you did too. And so yeah. after, after, um, and I thought that was super cool. I remember seeing you uh, uh, doing that business valuation competition at Georgia. I was like, look at these, like these guys, you and like Nate Way. There was like a bunch, there was a few lacrosse players on there. It was like you, Nate Way, and I think there was another one. Wasn't there three of you? It, it, yeah, it was Jacob Taylor. Jacob Taylor, and, that's right. Yeah. And then uh, Cole Spooner, who played lacrosse for one year, but was still, he's still my roommate. Um, yeah. And there was, a couple, there was a Norwegian and a Finn from the ski team. And so there's a couple student athletes um, in that program. And it, it just goes to show how awesome the experience is uh, for student athletes at Westminster. I mean, yeah, it's just absolutely incredible. And that goes to the athletic director, Shea Wyatt, and then the coaches. My coach was Mason Goodhand, Joe Kerwin. Um, you know, just it, absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal experience. And so... I always tell people that if they have the chance to play, um, even if it's just like club or whatever, like try to play uh, a sport while you're in college. Cause I think, and I think that's a cool thing about lacrosse is there's a lot of club teams. There's a lot of opportunities to keep playing after high school. So I'm always an advocate of that. So um, let's talk a little bit about um, kind of like some of your, some of your experience. So first um, you did this internship at Rockefeller capital management. What, what was, uh, what was that like? And, and um, what did you learn from that? Do you think? Yeah, and so that was at a investment advisor here in Salt Lake. Um, it was a small office, Nick Bappas. Um, it was his office. He sold half of his practice to Rockefeller Capital Management, which is a larger firm um, out of New York. That was super interesting. That was kind of my first experience. I, I had that internship as well there, as the renewable tech internship at the same time. Um, that was super interesting, kind of client management, relationship management. And then also when you think of even though it was a small office in Salt Lake, you know, big wooden desks, you know, screens and stocks and tickers and equities and the phones are calling, going off the line. <laughs> that role, I, I was just an, an intern. What We were going through a broker-dealer transition. And so oh. uh, my position- they, was, they, they were becoming, they were going from a broker-dealer to be like an independent advisor? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, and my role was really just uh, paperwork and, you know, changing all these accounts over. Um, I, that's an interesting industry because you need to have a lot of licenses to um, talk to people and it's very relationship heavy. And so if someone called the office, they didn't want to talk to Harrison Nye, the 17 year old or 18 year old or 21 year old. Um, they wanted to talk to Nick Bappas, who was the guy running the show and running, you know, they wanted to talk to the advisors. Uh, that's a, yeah, that's a fascinating industry. Um, and, and Nick was, is a fascinating and, and very hardworking financial advisor and, so I, that that internship was was really valuable. And then you went on, and that's well, I I work for you know I work for basically what they were transitioning into, right? So I work for Albion Financial Group, which is an independent advisor, um, and, and I love it. I think it's a great business. And so then, but after after your time at Rockefeller, you went to the University Valuation Group, where you did the business competition, right? That was part of the part of the same same experience with Rick Haskell. Um, and then, and then after that, so you've been, your most recent thing was you were working for, uh, this renewable ventures company, which I'm really interested in talking to you about because I love, uh, I'm a super big Tesla guy. I'm a super big green energy guy. I love thinking about the future of energy and, and how all of that's going to work out. And I, I think that's interesting. So basically this company that you were at before was making strategic investments in the green energy space. Is that, that's basically what, what you guys were doing? 
Yeah, so Renewable Tech Ventures was founded by Todd Stevens, um, who started Epic Ventures, which is now, I believe it's still Epic Ventures or Wasatch Venture Fund. Um, and so when I was there, I worked with Todd Stevens and um, Rose Maisner, who is one of the partners at that fund as well. And so what uh, Renewable Tech Ventures is, it's a clean tech uh, venture fund. And so they raised and fully deployed a $20 million fund, uh, vintage, vintage 2011. Um, and, and kind of the investment thesis was um, investing in uh, companies and deals that had measurable environmental impact, also investing in, in uh, capital overlooked areas. So uh, a lot of the venture deals are in certain coastal cities and that's about it. And so the fund is, is technically a Canadian fund, but the focus area was the Rocky Mountain region of the United States and of Canada. And there's actually two reasons that the fund um, has that thesis and there's actually a benefit. So when you're dealing in overlooked regions, uh, capital overlooked regions, your dollar goes further. Um, it, the, the valuations are less competitive and you're not, you're not in a bidding war with another venture fund. And so there's more impact to the dollar along with um, kind of uh, investing in communities and areas. And so a lot of their fund, uh, investments in the first fund are here in Salt Lake and a couple in Canada. And so kind of bringing money to those communities for um, future deals as well. And so while I was there, we were raising uh, 60 to $80 million for our second fund. Again, same investment thesis, um, but expanding the geographic region a little bit. And so now we're looking at companies kind of in Kentucky or the Midwest, again, capital overlooked places, um, but still with an emphasis on our kind of the Rocky Mountain area. And so it's, it's a small fund, uh, typically Series A investment is what we were looking for. Mm -hmm. Two to five million dollars is our check size, and we would reserve ample capital for follow-on investment. And so kind of what we're looking for is there's, there's certain um, green technologies that don't really fit the venture model, super capital. Let's say you have a device um, that changes garbage to rocket fuel and oxygen. I mean, whatever it is, but that device costs, you know, $5 million to make. Um, that, what they were looking for is, is scalable technology is a clear path to exit um, if, if that kind of makes sense, kind of a traditional yeah. venture model. And then we were looking for companies that um, kind of had a resilient re revenue model in the sense they didn't depend on macroeconomic or policy conditions. So, you know, if the barrel, a price of a barrel oil dropped to a certain point, then their whole business model is worthless. We were looking for companies that, you know, that wasn't the case. Right. So that's, um, so do you think is the fund vintage year 2011 is the fu the funds fully called at this point? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Fully deployed. Um, five companies were invested in, um, four are still with us. And when I left, they were on track for two exits. Um, I haven't checked back in with, uh, Todd or Rose to see, um, how those exits went, but that was a really interesting experience because, um, the only people at the fund were the partners and then two um, analysts. And so I had a very, very broad um, scope of things that I would do. I would report directly to the partners. I wasn't, you know, reporting to an associate. And I was also fortunate enough to make 
Um, I had the, the I had the keys to the power in terms of making decisions, and so I uh, manage our deal flow. And, and companies and deals would reach out to me, or I'd be assigned the company, and I would interview the CEO and you know, kind of get gauge market fit and and do all that analysis. And it was interesting because I had the I had the ability to you know decline or say you know shelf a certain project if if I didn't see it fit, and the partner would never check my work if that made sense not not that i was doing bad work but it's just interesting that you have a lot of responsibility um with that job and so that was super super cool i um i'm a little bit out of um yeah so i mean i'm in i'm in the the public equity sphere you're in the uh private placement private investment sphere um but i know that i mean venture capital is a really uh competitive space i feel like uh, it's harder to deploy money, right? It's getting harder and harder for these VC firms to find companies to invest in. But I think having like a really targeted niche like that makes a lot of sense. Um, and that you guys can kind of like manage what deal, you know, you're not just like looking at this huge spread of deals. You're very focused on, on kind of like what you're looking at, um, which I think, which I think is super interesting. I've always been really interested in venture capital. Um, and I guess I, I, it probably has something to do with your experience with the university valuation group. Um, but I guess where do you kind of like, so you've had experience uh, financial advising, uh, you saw kind of like what that was like, you have experience now working um, for uh, a venture capital firm and investing in some of these very early stage companies, um, doing exciting things. And um, that's what I've always thought was really cool about VC is just like these companies, um, really cool ideas, you get to work with entrepreneurs, very exciting people. Um, I did an internship at the Wayne Brown Institute where um, it was kind of a similar, we called it a, um, uh, it was kind of like a VC, a venture capital networking uh, organization where we would have entrepreneurs come present um, their business plans at a conference and we would invite a bunch of uh, venture capital connections to that conference. So I always really um, liked that, liked that space. And I guess, but what are you thinking about? So you're in graduate school now and what are you kind of thinking about in terms of uh, what you want to do for your career in terms of what your next steps are? Um, uh, or maybe even just talk about like, how did you make, maybe first talk about how did you decide to go back to graduate school and, and what are you studying exactly? Yeah. And so, um, about my junior year at Westminster, um, I learned about the master's of finance program, um, at the university of Utah, uh, a master's of finance is really interesting. A lot of people think that I'm getting an MBA or, you know, or people ask, Oh, you're doing your MBA, right? Masters of finance is a little different. It's, it's very, very con MBA is, you know, you cover accounting, marketing, yeah, management, very it's broad. very broad. Uh, masters of finance is, is highly intensive in finance itself and accounting. Um, and so it's kind of advancing my technical skills, which was uh, interesting because uh, not a lot of people go get graduate degrees out directly after school. And there is a benefit to working and waiting and then applying to graduate school, especially within MBA programs. Um, but I just felt like with this, this kind of the technical degree, I would put myself a step ahead in, in other job applications and programs. It's, it's a one year program. Um, and it, there's kind of two, there's a bunch of tracks within the program. So real estate or, uh, preparing to take the CFA or the two tracks that I'm fascinated by um, is alternative investments, which is the track I'm currently in and uh, quantitative finance. Uh, I 
we'll probably just stick with alternative investments. I'm, I'm taking a few um, uh, like financial programming and um, Excel heavy classes, but I'm, I'm really fascinated by alternative investments. And I, I kind of made the decision. Um, fortunately, I kind of turned my act around at Westminster and I got decently good grades. And so it made the program affordable and the program is the number one most affordable program in the U.S. and is the top in the top 20. Um, so the, kind of the top MSF programs are MIT has an incredible program, um, UPenn, and then kind of trickles down the line and kind of University of Utah is randomly on that <laughs> list, which is awesome. And, and uh, they offer in-state tuition for graduate programs. So an oh. MSF degree at MIT is 115 grand. Um, and then base tuition before scholarships here is 30 grand for the whole program. That's, um, that's so great. That, so that was yeah. kind of what you kind of just like looked at it and you thought you had the opportunity and you get to play lacrosse. What is the deal with like, yeah. so you have a year of eligibility left, right? Because of COVID, you kind of missed your senior season, which I'm sure was like a real like bummer. That probably sucked yeah. a lot. And, um, and, but I guess like, was the team pretty upset? Like were, were guys like pretty upset about it or, or was it kind of just like you, it was just, it is what it is sort of thing. Well, and the way that it got canceled, um, it was a shame because it, it, it left hope, you know, we're just suspending athletics for two weeks, you know, our spring breaks just going to be one week, week longer. Okay. We're going to miss this game, but you know, we can probably still play later because we just have to drive, you know, to Alamosa or whatever it, and where our, you know, in conference teams are. And so we were actually um, in the middle of a three game trip in Florida. So we had just played two games. And at halftime of our second game against Florida Tech, you know, it was night before the NBA got canceled and Rudy Gobert yeah. had tested positive for COVID. The morning yeah. of our game, the Patriot League in Division One had canceled and the Ivy League had canceled the rest of spring sports. And we're like, oh, geez. We get to the game. You know, my dad is there and he's kind of, I'm like, I think this is it. And he goes, he, he was kind of being hopeful. But then right before the game started, I was looking at him I'm like, is this it? And he's like, yep. And then at halftime, <laughs> we realized March Madness was canceled, and we said this is probably it. Um, fortunately, we won that game, and it, and it was it was awesome. And, and it kind of, it, I had the mindset that this is my last game, you know, while I was playing the game. So I kind of started to prepare for it. But which is very interesting because typically at Westminster, your season ends with you know going out into the spring. You know, it's warmer. You're playing Colorado Mesa, Adam State, and Colorado State Pueblo and Rockhurst my freshman sophomore year and so you kind of mentally prepare for the season to end and you're kind of like okay this is my last you know these are the last couple of weeks this is the last game but then all of a sudden it stopped and then the RMAC suspended for two weeks we got on the plane the night before we had canceled game three had been canceled we get on the plane the next day uh thinking that we're just gonna have two weeks off and then we land and I got the notification that it had been canceled and that was like kind of a this is, you know, this really sucks moment. Um, and so I'd say pretty, uh, pretty bummed to have the season canceled, um, but fortunate in the sense that getting an extra year of eligibility and getting the opportunity from Coach Holman to play for the Utes is the silver lining because had it not been for COVID, I wouldn't be playing for the Utes. And so right. I'm grateful in that sense. And, and well, that was, I, uh, I'm just, I was curious about what the story was because I, I can't, I remember what it felt like when I played my last game at Westminster. We were in Greenville, um, South Carolina, 
And I remember being, you know, kind of emotional afterwards when I was like, oh, that was the last time I'm ever going to play college lacrosse. And so, and, and I can't imagine on top of everything else that you had to deal with um, having it go out that way. That's, um, it sounds really hard, dude, but um, uh, back to, back to what you, you know, back to, yeah. I, we could talk about lacrosse this whole podcast. I'd be like, uh, but uh, so, so uh, you feel like you want to go into the venture capital space. That is why you're studying alternative investments and you're, you're getting your master's in finance, focusing on alternative investments. And you want to either work for, a venture capital fund, a hedge fund, a fund of funds. Um, do you, you know, private equity? What are you kind of thinking in terms of of where you want to go within alternative investments? Yeah, and um, VC and PE are very, very, and hedge funds are very competitive um, industries to break into. And so, what I think I will do is I want to go work for a smaller um, startup company in either the finance fintech space or energy there's a couple um inner small energy companies that I, there was one fintech and solar company that i had an interview with um, and then i have i'm looking at another opportunity of a, another venture fund here in the rocky mountain area that does not have the clean tech lens is more into uh, software and so i think i should i i would like to go work for a small company um because I can kind of bring the, the biggest piece of um, like my biggest asset from working at Renewable Tech is in terms of raising money. And uh, because of the amount of companies that I looked at and inter CEOs and founders I interviewed, um, I kind of figured out what are the best, you know, ways to raise money and what, you know, what, what makes a, a business plan and a pitch good. And, and just kind of navigating that space, I think it would be a waste if I didn't use that um, and go work for a smaller company. I also think it'd be really cool because um, that, that in terms of daily work and tasks, I'd probably enjoy wearing more multiple hats and doing a lot, I think would be awesome. And then also um, I'm looking at a couple startups that give equity to their, their analysts or their you know associates and beginners. And I think that is, Super interesting. I'm also kind of starting to dip my toes into looking at real estate. I don't know necessarily if that'll become a full-time career for me, but that's certainly an interesting um, space to be in. And yeah. Well, I think I think all of that. Um, I mean, it sounds like it sounds like a good plan. It sounds like a good um, uh, a good strategy. I I um, I guess I just wonder what if somebody. You know, if you were going to talk, and there's something else that I want to make sure we get to, by the way. I mean, yeah. these are supposed to usually go about 30 minutes. We've been going for about 30 minutes. Um, but, you know, we, we can like wrap this up in the next five minutes or so. Because um, I feel like we can just talk forever. So I feel like if I don't, yeah. if we don't, put, if we don't put like an end on it, like a, a goal of when we should finish, uh, all of a sudden this is going to turn into a 90 minute conversation. And, uh, but, um, you know, if you were going to give maybe give yourself uh, when, as you were kind of maybe coming out um, or declaring your major or give yourself some advice or maybe give uh, guys on the Westminster lacrosse team who are juniors and seniors or people who are just getting ready to declare a major, like what, what do you think from your experience um, so far, what would you have uh, liked to know? What, what, did, what did you wish you knew um, when you, yeah. back then? Yeah, I think it, it, it's finding a place to start in terms of how do you start to go look for a job? How do you build your network? How do you network? Um, how do you figure out what the roles in finance are? And that, um, 
or, or whatever your major is. And so what I started doing was um, like looked through SEC filings to see who in the state mm-hmm. of Utah managed money or <laughs> just simply, simply Googling um, certain companies and I'd write emails and say, Hey, can I talk to you? And so last week I had a call with, a, and I'm, I still do that. And I had a call with a, a bridge lending private, a real estate private equity fund. And then I've had a call with a, um, a larger asset manager in Salt Lake and interesting smaller financial advisors. But I would just say, start, start Googling and calling people in the field. Um, and that's, that's going to be the best way of kind of figuring out what you want to do after. And then the other thing is, if you kind of narrow down what you do and what you don't like to do, there's probably going to be a degree that fits that realm, but it's not, a, it's not an end all granted. If you go into medicine, it's very, you know, your career path is, is very straightforward, but I think um, what you major in in college generally might, it, it could, but it probably won't limit you. So I'm just saying just because you choose one major doesn't mean you can't go do whatever you want when you're done, oh. except maybe medicine. Yeah, I mean, my uh, my girlfriend studied history and she works for Zions Bank. So, exactly. um, you know, it's not it's not always um, super correlated, you know. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to um, start this podcast was to just hear people's stories um, and hopefully help people. And so the so the one thing that uh, I we should have talked about this in the beginning in your background, in your intro. Uh, but you have this background in search and rescue, which I didn't yeah. know about. So you say you have some pretty cool stories about how search and rescue shaped your life. And, yep. uh, and then you're also learning to uh, bow hunt. But so, so what's like, you did search and rescue in Portland, not or here. Yeah. Uh, Portland. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm looking to get on the Salt Lake County team when I'm done with um, school and lacrosse, but in, in Oregon for three years, three and a half years, um, Multnomah County, which is the county in Portland, and then also extends into the Columbia River, River Gorge, which is kind of the prime recreation area, hiking trails, scenic area outside of Portland. Um, and so what we did was search and rescue. And we acted as an asset to the county whenever people went missing or even, you know, all the way from crime scene searching for bullet casings because we were just, we were just numbers but, and, and bodies that could search and find things. <laughs> but what was really interesting was Multnomah County had an emphasis on youth leadership. Um, and so there's, you could be, a, I was a team leader. Um, so I led a team and I was responsible for 25 people and I trained them for nine months as well as leading them on life-saving operations in the field. Um, and that was really, really awesome because people in the unit, you know, I would, I would be teaching wilderness first aid and, um, you know, evacuation techniques to someone that was 40 years old or whatever. And it kind of instilled confidence in myself. Um, you know, I, I knew what I was doing and I, you know, some people that I, I don't know, I was just super grateful for that. And, and it's really cool to go save lives and, you know, wear a uniform and whatever, have, you know, ride in the cool big trucks and go hiking in the woods. And so that was super awesome. Yeah. And it just kind of gave me confidence in myself of, you know, I know what I've learned and I'm confident to project and teach and, continue and work hard for something then. What, so were you like, uh, would you get, would you get flown in on helicopters or you would truck in or you're kind of, I'm picturing you, yeah. I'm picturing you hanging out the side of a helicopter, getting yeah. lower, getting lowered down, be it like a harness or something and like rescuing uh, some, some poor person who's fallen and broken their leg or something like that. Was that, is that, is that accurate? Is that what you were doing, dude? 
we we never uh, dropped out of the helicopter. Okay. Um, but we we would get one time we went on boats. We were searching through these islands um, outside of Portland, and so the we kind of like went in on these boats and got dropped off on the islands. We we would call in helicopters. Light, yeah. limb, or eyesight are the three factors of a subject, and then we'd call in the helicopter, um, and that was life flight or the Army National Guard. Right. Um, but we never were were jumping out. My my uncle and my father both um, are involved in mountain rescue on Mount Hood. Mm. And so they, they got, they have the cooler experience. They get the helicopters and the snowmobiles. Uh, well, I think that's, I think that's a super cool thing to uh, be involved in. And I like the youth leadership component of it. And, you know, helping people is what it's all about, whether it's helping people network and get jobs or saving lives on islands, you know, it's all about, it's all about trying to find ways um, to help people. Uh, well, Harrison, I feel, I feel like this was a super productive conversation. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Scott, for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. And, and, you know, this is, this is basically, you know, kind of going to be like my first episode, dude. So hopefully one day, you know, when you're running your own VC fund and you're like getting interviewed on the news and you're talking about all these big deals you do, I'll be like, I interviewed that guy. I interviewed that guy. And he, he helped me launch my podcast. Uh, yeah. uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that, dude. I'm looking forward to that. Well, you know, we can, uh, uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime soon. I was telling my sister, like, uh, I think it would be fun to, um, you know, a, a year from now, a couple of years from now, we can look back on this interview and maybe I can interview you again and you can, uh, you know, be like, God, I was so wrong about the advice yeah. I gave. Uh, you could offer some new insight. Uh, but, although I really like that idea, though, of, of searching people. I think it's just to, just to uh, quickly add on to what you were saying. I think it's super important to, you know, do that kind of research and reach out to people. And I think that's a su super good advice. And uh um, I'm proud of you for for doing that. It takes a lot of takes a lot of courage, and uh, ambition, and drive to put yourself out there like that. So good on you, good on you for doing it. Well, I don't really know how to wrap up the show because this is my first time doing it. I'm just really dragging it on here. Uh, so, but we're gonna call it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you again <laughs> so much, Scott. And uh, I'll see you in summer league or when I see you next. Okay. It sounds good. You don't actually have to drop off the call. I'm just going to stop oh, okay, recording. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>